So it was about 12 years ago that I would take the youth group to a, to a camp called Uplift at Harding University. And Uplift was a great camp. It's a college camp that I would take, the, take all the teens to. And it was also a place that I could take my family to. It was, a, it was an easy camp to take my family to. So Mary and the kids, they would come with me a lot of times to Uplift. And this was a great opportunity for the kids to grow in Christ and, and for my kids to get to be around the youth group and see what a youth group camp was all about. And Uplift was this huge camp at Harding University. And we would start out in the auditorium. If you look up there, you see that's, the, that's just a portion of the auditorium at Uplift. And there were probably a thousand kids and adults that were all at this camp. And the first day that we were there together, they were dismissing all the kids to go to their classes, but they wanted the teachers and volunteers to stick around because they had a meeting for us. And Mary and Dane and Sydney, they were going to go back to the back of the auditorium and wait for me to be finished with this meeting. Well, Sydney decides she wants to sit with me, and so it was just Mary and Dane, and they go back, and the, as, as all the kids are dismissed, Mary and Dane go back, and Sydney sits with me, and then she decides, I'd rather be with Mom and Dane. Makes sense. She didn't want to listen to the meeting. And so she gets up right after that, and she's probably right behind two people between Mary and Dane and me, I guess. And Sydney's little. She's probably about three or four years old. And she doesn't see that Mary and Dane go and sit in the back of the auditorium. She just follows the kids right out of the auditorium, right out of that building. You see that building, it's huge. It's one of the largest uh, auditoriums in Arkansas. And Sydney doesn't know where her parents are, or she doesn't know where her mom is. She thinks that Dane and Mary went back to the apartment all the way across campus. And Sydney and Dane, they had these little uh, razor scooters to get around. And so she hops on her scooter and starts heading off. I thought Sydney was with Mary. Mary thought Sydney was with me. I go to this meeting, it was about 15 minutes long, and then I walk back to see Dane and Mary, and we realize we have lost our daughter. Even though it's at a nice Christian camp, that's a pretty scary feeling, right? to lose your child, your, your four-year-old child. She's gone. And so we're looking around the auditorium. She's not there. And then I notice that her Razor scooter is missing. And so I start booking it to the apartment. Mary's looking around the place. We can't find her. I don't know how long went by. Maybe five minutes, maybe 10 minutes. We were scared. And then all of a sudden, this lady comes and she brings Sydney by the hand and Sydney had tears streaming down her face because she was lost. And while we were embarrassed as parents to lose your child, right? We were so thankful for the person, this nice lady that made sure the child was able to be reunited with their parents. How does it feel to be lost? Most of us at one point in our life, we've been lost, right? And it's a scary feeling, just like the tears going down Sydney's face when she doesn't know where her mom and dad are, right? That's scary to be lost in this big world. But how does it feel to be lost and have no one looking for you? 
Luckily, she had a nice lady that's going to try to deliver her to her parents. She had parents that are looking all over. But what if you are lost and no one's looking? No one's trying to find you. No one's seeking you out. It's fun in hide-and-go-seek to be in a nice little hiding place, but if everyone else just gave up on the game and left you there the whole time, that doesn't feel good, right? We live in a world that there's so many people. So many are lost. And for the last two months, we've had this, uh, this theme reach and teach for the last three years we've come up with this this little slogan reach and teach and it's a pretty neat little slogan it rhymes it rolls off the tongue really easily but it's not just a catchy term it's not just a catchy slogan this is something that christ calls us to do reach the lost teach them about jesus teach them about his love for us teach them about his grace for us Two weeks ago, I read this verse to us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 14. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without shepherd. Jesus went out into the, uh, in, into the uh, world and he saw there was a problem with the lost world. And Jesus' job was to come and save the world. That's, that's where we come to this, to this uh, time in, 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 uh, that everyone's celebrating God with us. Jesus had an answer for the lost world, but one of the things that the church often does is maybe we just point about point out all the people that are lost and not do what Jesus is wanting us to do. And that's to do something about this lost world. He tells us in verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but it's the workers that are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. This world Every day seems to be going further and further and further away from God. And, and, and while that's a concern, Christ's concern right here is it's the workers that aren't going out there and spreading the good news. Seeking the lost just like he did. And I think one of our problems may be that we come here together we join with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we think about maybe the lost, we might not use this in, in these terms, but maybe that's their problem because we've got everything okay here. Everyone that's sitting at home this week, it's their problem. It's not necessarily our problem. They need to find Jesus. I've seen t-shirts that say, uh, you need Jesus. But Jesus is saying, we have the responsibility to teach them and reach them. And so he gives this lesson about a lost sheep. Go over to Luke chapter 15, verse 3. 
It says in Luke 15, verse 3, then Jesus told them a parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home and he calls his friends and neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. What's Jesus saying? This world struggles. This world is lost without him. And this world has a bunch of churches that we, we sit together and it's hard for us for whatever reason to practice this reach and teach. We all can say it easily, but it's hard for us to stretch ourselves, to go out there and find this lost sheep. It's easier for us just to be together each Sunday and each Wednesday and think about how wonderful our lives are with God. And it is wonderful. But we also have this obligation to go out. This past week, I took a week off and Thank you, Stephen, for coming in here and doing such a, such a great job reminding us how precious our time is. But I had a wonderful little trip with Mary. I, I went with Mary down to San Diego. She had a conference down there, and we had a good time. I get to, I get to work while she's in the conference, and, and uh, she, uh, we get to spend some, some of the nights and in, in, in time like that together. And so we had a good time. I was planning on taking off half a week, and then I get a call from one of my good friends who we haven't been able to, to see each other much. He lives up in Oklahoma, and he says, hey, I've got a free hotel room that I need to use before the end of the year, and it can only be during the weekdays, and I'm thinking about going to this NBA in-season basketball tournament. We're both Maverick fans, and so I think, well, that sounds fun. Um, I've already taken off the first half of the week. It might just might as well just uh, uh, extend that. And he says, well, the tournament is in Las Vegas. I've never been to Las Vegas, but just me mentioning that term, everyone has an idea of Las Vegas, right? Lost Vegas. Okay, lost sheep. Now we're talking about Lost Vegas. This place is, if you've ever been there, it's, like nowhere you've ever seen. We stayed in the Trump Hotel. I don't know what your politics are, but if you know anything about Trump, what he loves is what? Gold, right? This whole hotel lobby was gold. And this was an older hotel in Las Vegas. And as I walk around out my friend's window, you see that right there, this big old ball, this sphere. Uh, it, you could see this. This is a two billion dollar arena that's been built in las vegas that just opened this year a couple of months ago it catches the eye i walk down and and if you walk through these casinos that are that are built so beautifully they're just so inviting wanting you to come in the lights the gold each of the stores in these casinos, they are just, uh, uh, they're, they're things that there's no way for me to ever afford. It's the highest end of fashion. 
And the food there, I was told that food in, in Vegas was cheap. Food in Vegas, was, it's expensive here. It's 10 times more expensive there. But there's lots of good food. Everything about that place is saying, give me more, 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 and I will give you all your hopes and dreams, right? Thankfully, I was told as a young man, my, my grandfather, he liked to go down to, uh, to, 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 to the casinos, but he, he knew, and he would tell me, you know how those casinos get so big and so bright? They get your money. They take from you. So I have no problem walking past all that. But it's eye-catching. It's amazing what all these things, all these, everything that they, they, they invite you in to just experience the pleasures of this world. And yet, Las Vegas will also teach us something. That these pleasures are so fleeting, right? All this money that you put in, it's, 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 a, it's a rigged system. It's going to take from you. And whether, you, whether it's, it's the money that you put in there, or it's what you pay for the meal, or if you want to uh, shop in the high-fashioned area, it's fleeting. It's fleeting. As I looked at this city, I was thinking, how does the church compete with something like that? With the lights and the promise of all the things that we would want in life, these earthly pleasures. How do we compete? We've got something far greater. We as a church are called to reach out to the world, to not just sit there and, 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 and be okay with ourselves, but we're called to be like the shepherd, like the good shepherd, going out to the lost, putting them on our shoulders and bringing them to God. That takes effort. And it might seem like a daunting task to do that for the world in general though we can try. And one of the ways we try is we work on our own sphere of influence. And so Jesus takes it from the 99 sheep down to something a lot more personal. And it talks about a woman and a lost coin. And I believe what Jesus is trying to do with this parable is to bring it into you have a responsibility with your own sphere of influence. Your family, your neighbors, your co-workers. These are people you can reach out to and he tells us this parable of the lost coin. In Luke 15 verse 8 he says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins, loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she says, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This woman 
has 10 coins and only one's lost. And we don't know the value of this coin. It could be the value of a day's wages. It could be a month's wages. Some people say that this is the woman's dowry that she gets when she's married. And, and it's, it was something that had 10 coins on it. And it represented her marriage. And if part of it's missing, it should say that something is broken about her marriage. Whatever it was, this woman was going to seek that coin until she found it. She wasn't just okay with it thinking, it'll eventually show up. Someone else will do it. And this represents what we should be like in our life. The people that are around us. We're called to search. We're called to light our lamp. I hadn't sung that song, uh, thanks John for, for leading, the let the lower lights be burning, right? We're called to seek out. And while we've got a lot of competition with Las Vegas, right? With their lights and their, and, and their, and their promises, empty promises, We've got something so much better. Something that the world cannot compete with. If you go to John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus tells us, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come and go and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might find life and have it to the full. Jesus tells us He's the way. He's the gate. All of these things that the world offers us are so temporary so fleeting, so, so, so much hope that we have that, that will not be fulfilled. And he says, you want to find pasture? You want to find peace? Come through me. And it's not that we just will have eternal life. I love how it says we will have an abundant life. Some versions say a full life. One of my favorite versions will say, a rich and satisfying life. Living with Christ doesn't just give us a good life one day. It gives us a full life today. And it's an eternal life that will not stop. And that's something that the world cannot compete with because the world should know everything about them. And all the pleasures they offer us are fleeting, temporary. That's not what God offers us. He offers us something permanent. Yesterday, you might see some pictures on Facebook or on this little monitor out here. I took, me and Mario, we took the uh, youth group to Tyler. A uh, place right next to the Salvation Army. It's a, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bridge that there's a community of people that live under the bridge there. And we teamed up with the Winsboro Youth Group and we delivered bagged lunches that we assembled together to the homeless. 
And the reason we did this is because of our love for Christ and that we were called. We, we read a scripture right before uh, we went out there about the people standing before Jesus on Judgment Day and he tells us whatever we've done for the least of these, we've done for him. And so we followed Christ's commands and we just gave little bits of lunches and sleeping bags and blankets to the people that had none. And I compared that with what I had seen this last week and, and it's a perfect description of what Jesus has said is the enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. This world wants so much from us. Whether we're in Las Vegas or we are here, we see commercials every day that want from us. They want to, to, to sell us things. These empty promises and yet Christ shows us something totally different. It's what we can give. How we can change people's lives by, by giving because that's what Christ came to do for us. He gave. And He did it freely. And He requires not much of us at all, but to give our lives to Him. Accept His grace. Accept His love. But He has some responsibility for us, and that's to go out and to spread that message. Paul tells us how to do that in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. One of the easiest things to do is just to condemn the world for all the sins that they have, but that's not what Christ gave us the mission of doing. It wasn't a mission of condemnation of the world. It was a mission of reconciliation with the world. Showing the world they can come to Christ because He's forgiven them of their sins. Look at what He says in verse 19. He says that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. Once again, our message is not of condemnation. Our message is of grace. Our message is of reconciliation. Our message is of hope. Our message is of eternal life. We have a message to tell the people of this world, there is a better way. There's an eternal way. There's a way that leads to abundant life. It says, therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God has made him who has no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. What a beautiful message we have. And even in Las Vegas, what I heard playing over the speakers everywhere was Christmas music, joy to the world, the Lord has come, hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Even 
in this place that just wants and wants and wants from you, they don't even realize, I think, that there's still this message of hope in this world. A message that's calling out to you saying, there is a way to give your life to Christ and you don't have to be part of this world that's destined to be lost. You can be part of this world that is supposed to be with Christ, how God always intended it. That we can be with Him forever. Live eternally with Him. It's a beautiful message. and We have all sorts of opportunities in this season to reach those that are lost. To do what Christ has called us to do. To be His ambassadors. To bring them to know the good news. And you might be thinking right now, well, I need that good news myself. I need to change my life. I have sin in my life. And the way we're reconciled to God is we accept His grace. We turn from our sins and we experience a better life, a life that's full, a life that's abundant. You can have that life today. You can be baptized into Him. You can have your sins washed away and you can go off with the Holy Spirit within you and you could live the good life, the abundant life, the rich and satisfying life. We can do that today if that's something you need. Or if you just need prayers of the church, let us know and we can pray for you. And I hope you join me this week and be ambassadors of Christ as we stand and sing.